This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and I'm the Daniel and the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights, and it's an honor to be here today with you. Your time is precious, and I appreciate it. Because I have nearly three hours of show to pack into one hour of airtime, let's jump right in. Oh, the irony of it all. I'm not a frequent reader of horoscopes. I always find the message either too vague to be applicable to me, or just too funny to be possible. Well, while scanning articles this week, I did happen to stumble across Madame Clairvoyant's weekly horoscope in the, in the New York Magazine, of all places, really. My birthday is October 29th, making me a Scorpio. My wife's birthday is just days before mine, and she's also a Scorpio. Of course, Scorpios marrying each other is an astrological no-no. Uh, add to this that we're both firstborn children from sizable families. <laughs> oh, my nerves already. But this magic has worked for us for nearly 40 years now, so there. By the way, welcome to October, and there's only 83 shopping days left before Christmas. So with that cheery note, here's Madame uh, Clairvoyant's words for Scorpios this week. When it's difficult to know whom to believe in, it can strangely be easier to trust those who treat you disrespectfully than those who treat you well. Rudeness, you reason, doesn't disguise motives, doesn't try to flatter or manipulate. Yes, I agree with Madame Clairvoyant. When I get called a conservative SOB, <laughs> I believe they're being sincere. Madame Clairvoyant goes on to say, But this week there will be people who approach you with softness and goodwill. Not because they're trying to fool you, but because they're caring and their care is authentic. There will be people who genuinely want to work alongside of you, who are truly doing their best. You don't have to trust everyone. Just remember, you can take kindness at face value too. Well, I sincerely hope that all of you listening today are among those who genuinely want to work alongside me and with millions of other Americans as we take on the militant LGBTQ gender activists and the radical progressive Democrats as they attempt to crush our religious freedom here in America with something called the Equality Act of 2021. The Equality Act and, and people of faith. Well, how can people of faith be against equality? Well, we can't. It's, it really is that simple. But what, what if the Equality Act was, was just that? It was an act. What if the Equality Act was an oxymoron? What if the notion of equality was another Democrat Trojan horse? I mean, for heaven's sakes, we already have Joe Biden, you know, the uniter Trojan horse. We certainly don't need any more subterfuge. You have to admit that the use of the word equality to sell a new law is disarmingly brilliant, really. In fact, it may initially compel one to go along with any new law that promotes equality. But one person's notion about equality is often another person's notion of encroachment. Have you ever heard the expression, we're both willing to go halfway, but we differ greatly on how far halfway is? Or, my wife and I have equal votes on all family matters, but my wife breaks all the tie votes. What if the 
Equality Act was the most discriminatory piece of proposed legislation in the United States since slavery. Yes, what if? You certainly wouldn't know it from this title. You certainly wouldn't know from the propaganda of the transgender activists on the left who are promoting the, the Equality Act as the most important piece of civil rights legislation since the 14th Amendment. And yes, the Equality Act of 2021 is most certainly a sexual orientation and gender identity law. In essence, the Equality Act will add sexual orientation and gender identity to Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Law. Now, currently, there are seven protected classes of what they call immutable personal characteristics that the 1964 Civil Rights Law prohibits against any kind of discrimination. And you're familiar with most of these. Uh, these classes are race, color, religion, sex, national origin, you know, familial status. I mean, you, you can't change who your parents are. It's one of those immutable things. And the last class, of course, is handicapped or disabled. In other words, you can't discriminate against someone because of their race or their color or where they were born, etc. Now, according to the Equality Act, the word sex in this uh, panoply of uh, seven different categories will be replaced in this grouping by something called sexual orientation and gender identity. According to the Equality Act, sexual orientation is to mean homosexual, heterosexual, and bisexual. According to the Equality Act, gender identity is to mean gender-related identity, appearance, mannerisms, or other gender-related characteristics of an individual, regardless of the individual's designated sex at birth. Uh, text from the Equality Act also states that, quote, as with all prohibitions on invidious discrimination, invidious is not a word we usually run into, invidious means an action or situation likely to arouse or incur resentment or anger. So, as with all prohibitions on invidious discrimination, this act furthers the government's compelling interest in the least restrictive, and that's important, the least restrictive way, I want to come back to that, the least restrictive way, because only by forbidding discrimination is it possible to avert or redress the harms described in this subsection. Now, it goes on to say, it is the purpose of this act, the Equality Act, to expand as well as to clarify, confirm, and create greater consistency in the protections and remedies against discrimination on the basis of all covered characteristics and to provide guidance and notice to you and me, to individuals, to organizations, corporations, and agencies regarding their obligations under the Equality Act. So, in short, uh, this law is supposed to help us standardize these rules about discrimination against these categories of sexual orientation and gender identity, and they are going to do this in the least restrictive way. And that's a really important clause, and we're going to come to that when we get into uh, religion. Uh, of course, we're all against unwarranted discrimination. I mean, in fact, there are scores of moral platitudes that cover discrimination. As a side note here, I've always thought this, that the use of the term discrimination, always in the pejorative sense, is, uh, is too bad. We discriminate all the time, and it, it's good that we do. If we see a, a, someone who's a criminal and is robbing a store, 
we go out of our way, we discriminate against that person to stay out of their way and not get involved. Uh, we discriminate against our children uh, being out there by themselves and having people drive by uh, that roll down the windows and start talking to our kids. We discriminate against those people. Uh, so discrimination has is, is gotten a, a bad rap, I think, sometimes. If we don't discriminate, we don't survive, okay? But there's some discrimination, obviously, we want to expunge from our society because it's uh, very unhelpful. Well, back to those platitudes I was talking about. Uh, here's one. Every person should be treated with dignity and respect. Now, who, who disagrees with that? Or, or everyone agrees we must stand firmly against discrimination in any form. Oh, l let me say that one over as a politician. Now, everyone agrees we must stand firmly against discrimination in any form. Yeah, I agree with that. But what if an earnest effort to lawfully prohibit discrimination, a law creates even more discrimination? What if, what if this effort to prohibit discrimination isn't actually an earnest, but, but instead it's an effort to promote a radical progressive left ideology? Heaven forbid, that, that could not happen, really. And what if this ideology is the ideology of sexual orientation and gender identity? No, none of us, none of us doubt that discrimination against people who are gay, bisexual, or, or transgender occurs. Of course we know it occurs. Whenever possible, laws should protect these individuals from, again, invidious discrimination. My, my question is, why is the political party... More specifically, why is the woke Democrat Party trying to normalize a specific ideology and hiding their true intentions in an all-American-sounding law like the Equality Act? This bill was authored and is entirely supported by the Democrat Party. It's already passed the House and a House vote in February, and there were only three Republicans voted for it, while 206 voted against it. Let me ask you this hypothetical question. What if the Democrats were trying to pass a law protecting and endorsing the teaching of critical race theory as a valid and congressionally approved ideology? D do you think this would get a reaction from, from Americans? Critical race theory is obviously about race. Race is one of the protected categories in the civil rights law. So instead of calling this new proposed hypothetical law the CRT Act, what if we were to call it the Equality Act? After all, we're all for racial equality, right? Now, the Equality Act sounds like an appropriate title for this CRT-laden ideology. So now, think about the LGBTQ activist community and the progressive left Democrats, and those Democrats who are really so far left that, that we have to call them socialist or neo-Marxist or some, something uh, off-the-edge-of-the-earth kind of left. What is their intent with the Equality Act? Is it really all about stopping discrimination? Might they also be pushing, and by law mandating, that, that we all accept their sexual orientation and gender identity ideology? Might they be saying we don't care about your ethical, moral, or your religious objections to major portions of this law? Now, as we go over the Equality Act today, please keep these questions in mind. Well, back to the story. The, the Democrats in the LGBTQ community are promoting that an individual's sexual orientation and their gender identity are fixed, inflexible, indelible, immutable, eradicable, 
imperishable, permanent, unshakable, and unyielding characteristics, and they should be recognized and protected as normal, fixed, personal traits. Uh, they are as normal, of course, but less numerous than heterosexuality. But, but, but is this true? For instance, is gender identity immutable? I don't think so, and there's a mountain of evidence that proves that people change their gender identities all the time. If this wasn't true, the LGBTQ community wouldn't have coined the term gender fluid, which means an individual's gender identity changes, perhaps often or perhaps infrequently, but it changes. I'm a male, and unless it happens while I'm asleep, my sex nor my gender change. But here's a quick overview of how sexual orientation and gender identity laws will affect us. This is just that. It's a quick overview, and it's hardly extensive or comprehensive. Now, I ask you in advance to forgive me for my repetition of many of these facts as we go along today. I do mean in some sense to be obsessively redundant with this. Uh, largely because I, I can't believe that the, that the tenets of this so-called Equality Act are what they are. Moreover, I can't believe there hasn't been more screaming about what this Inequality Act will do to all of us and to our lives and uh, to those most certainly of our children. Should the Equality Act pass the Senate and be signed into law by the President, which it surely would be if it was passed through the Senate, the consequences of, of adding special protections for the LGBTQ community's sexual orientation and, and gender identity ideology will be devastating uh, to our civil and our, our religious freedoms. Uh, here's but a few of the changes that will occur uh, almost immediately. We'll do them by sort of categories here. Uh, workers and employees. The Equality Act will affirm an employer's acceptance of same-sex marriage through spousal benefits. What do I mean? You're going to have to allow for spouses of same-sex couples or transgendered couples or whatever the same benefits you, that you uh, endorse for all the rest of your employees. Now, most people are already doing this. Employers are. But nonetheless, uh, by doing this, you're also accepting the concept of same-sex marriage. The Equality Act will mandate employers to provide medical insurance for gender-affirming care including gender-affirming surgeries like hysterectomies and double-breast mastectomies and removal of male sex organs and the like. Uh, the Equality Act will require employers to open up their bathrooms in all same-sex facilities to the opposite sex. Well, I think most of us have figured this out already. The Equality Act will require that all employees and co-workers address transgender individuals by their preferred transgender names and pronouns. Now, we probably do this at work anyway, but now it's a situation where you can be sued for discrimination based on the Equality Act if you don't do this. Medical professionals, what about them? The Equality Act mandates that medical practitioners practice medicine according to the transgender ideology. And what is that? It's puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and sex reassignment surgeries. There's no getting out of that now if you're a doc. The Equality Act mandates that counselors for minors must affirm same-sex attraction and gender, transgender ideology. Furthermore, no mental health counseling is to be required that impedes a client from obtaining 
transgender-affirming care. Now, the Equality Act goes on and talks about uh, conversion therapy, which they're against, which happened with homosexuality, and, and I think that any social scientist agrees this was a terrible idea. But we're not talking in, in mental health counseling today about conversion therapy. But this bill blocks it. It says if if a 13-year-old walks in and says, listen, I don't want to hear anything you've got to say. I don't want to have it. I don't want to talk to you about it. I don't want to justify anything. I don't want to go over my past or my mental problems or whether my mom changed my diaper often enough or any of those kinds of things. I, I just want to go on and, and, and either start my puberty blockers or I want my cross-sex hormones. And you're going to give them to me because I am confirming right now that I have self-diagnosed that I have uh, gender dysphoria. I need to get it treated. And so let's just move along with gender affirming care. It's the only kind of care, medical care, where you go in and somebody just does what, what you tell them to do. It's affirming. It's not questioning. It's not, it's, a, it's not saying, let's just sit down and talk about this for a minute. That's what this is about. The Equality Act requires medical professionals also to perform abortions regardless of their moral or religious objections. Now, if your, your practice is OBGYN, you deliver babies and perform other gynecologic procedures, guess what? You're not going to be able to object to doing abortions based on your moral or ethical or your religious convictions. There has to be some overwhelming medical reason why you can't do an abortion on that particular person. The Equality Act requires medical professionals to perform gender-affirming surgeries. Now, if you're a plastic surgeon and your practice includes breast enhancements or reductions, guess what? Somebody comes in and says, I want my breast removed. I'm a transgender, and that's what I need, this reaffirming surgery. Yeah, yeah, guess what? Good luck. Parents, what, what's the problem there? The Equality Act says that if your child has gender dysphoria, as proclaimed by the child, then as doctors are pressured to accept transgender medicine, government will pressure parents to consent to puberty blockers at age 11, cross-sex hormones at 16, and reassignment or transgender-affirming surgeries at age 18. I'm glad my kids are all grown, Lord. The Equality Act mandates parents to accept that schools will teach sexual orientation and gender identity as part of normal life and, and are part of the gender and sexual spectrum of valid identities. Oh, okay. Parents also, the Equality Act says parents must accept that their daughters will have to compete with transgender girls or women, in other words, biological boys and men who claim they have transgender to females or don't compete at all. So what about women and girls? Uh, the Equality Act says you will share restrooms, locker rooms, showers, sleeping facilities with biological boys and men who claim to have transitioned genders to female. Now, as above, the Equality Act will compel women and girls to compete against transgender males, who are biological males, uh, transgendered women, I should say, who are biological males in athletics or do not participate at all. Now, here, here's a pretty long category. Nonprofit charities and volunteers. The Equality Act will affirm a charity's acceptance of same-sex marriage through spousal benefits, same as the other things for employers. The Equality Act says that nonprofit charities will provide medical insurance for gender transitions. The Equality Act will open private facilities, including restrooms and showers, to biologically opposite sex. 
the Equality Act mandates nonprofit charities and their volunteers use the preferred pronouns uh, for employees, for other volunteers, and for aid recipients. Or you could be sued for discrimination. The Equality Act mandates that women's domestic violence shelters will be open to transgender women or biological males. If you don't do this, you have to shut down uh, or, or let these people in. And there I have already been documented problems with this, by the way. The Equality Act mandates that foster care and adoption agencies have to be open to allow same-sex and transgender couples to apply as foster parents and adoptive parents, or they have to close their doors. The Equality Act mandates that all charity and nonprofit organizations open up all their private hall space and social facility rentals and other public accommodations to members of the LGBTQ community or offer them to nobody. Now, some of these issues are going to have big impacts on church facilities and the like. If you've got a, a school or a big meeting hall or whatever that you usually rent out to uh, the Catholic Youth League or you know other church-related activities, you have to make that available the transgender community and to, uh, to gay couples and, 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 any, and any other activity that they want to hold there, whether you like it or not. This is part of uh, the Equalities Act's public accommodations, and they have expanded all the kinds of facilities that belong in public accommodations. Citizens, well, what do citizens have to do? The Equality Act says applicable conditions listed above remain the same for all of us. Citizens cannot lawfully discriminate against another person based on their sexual orientation or gender ideology as outlined in the, the, the entire Equality Act. The Equality Act leaves open the door, however, for Congress to require taxpayer funding of abortions. Yeah, that's been, that's, it's all over the literature. Religious institutions. The Equality Act supersedes, in other words, it replaces the 1993 Religious Freedom Restoration Act, a law intended to protect religious practices from government interference. Now, this is really a big deal. The Equality Act says that religious hospitals and the hospital systems, like the Catholic hospitals and Protestant chain hospitals, will be required to offer gender-affirming care to patients, including sex reassignment surgeries, in these facilities. These hospitals and clinics can no longer cite the Religious Freedom Restoration Act as conscientious objectors. The Equality Act says that physicians, nurses, and other direct care practitioners will be required to administer gender-affirming care and can no longer cite the Religious Freedom Restoration Act as conscientious objectors. These medical institutions will be required to offer abortions because the Equality Act makes discrimination against pregnancy a crime. Pregnancy is viewed the same as any other medical condition. Thus, abortion is no different than a transgender individual wishing to have their breast removed to hasten their gender transition. People of faith who are skilled artisans will no longer be able to decline requests to provide services uh, to homosexual, bisexual, or transgender individuals based on an artisan's religious convictions. This means that that cake artist in Colorado who recently won his case in the Supreme Court based on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 
he'll have to now create cakes for gay weddings and transgender reveal parties and the like. In short, your religious convictions no longer matter. Well, to some other words, yes, let's use some other words to comprehend what we just went over. And I'll say some of these things again before we finish today, because you can't say some of these realities enough in trying to understand them. Some are so incomprehensible that when you first encounter them, you can't believe they're really in a congressional bill pretending to be about equality. But I implore you to think of all the unbelievable things we've experienced over the last 10 months under the woke Democrats. Then I implore you to help me and millions of us pay attention to the Radical Left's Equality Act. So in summary, let's go over this. The Equality Act, if it becomes law, our constitutional right to conscientiously object to performing abortion procedures or providing gender-affirming care or being compelled to address transgender students by their newly uh, gendered names and preferred pronouns, that's no longer going to exist. The Equality Act disembowels the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and eliminates faith-based conscious protections from the civil rights law. It takes it out completely. The Religious Restoration Act says that if a government is going to burden religion, it needs to have a very good reason, and it needs to show that it did so and did everything possible to avoid overburdening the religion. So I bring you back to that phrase that I read earlier out of the Equality Act that said, they're doing all these things in the Equality Act in the least restrictive way. This simply is not true. You may not be familiar with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. This legislation was introduced by, by of all people, Representative Chuck Schumer when he was in the House back in the early 90s. This uh, Freedom Act was introduced on March 11, 1993. And it was passed by unanimous U.S. House and near-unanimous U.S. Senate votes with only three dissenting voters in the Senate. The bill was signed into law by President Clinton immediately. Now, you can bet that Senator Chuck Schumer would never propose the Religious Freedom Restoration Act today, nor would President Biden sign it today. So despite the affirmative defense of religious freedom from government oversight, the Equality Act arrogantly exempts itself from the near-unanimous bipartisan Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Democrats are doing this in an explicit and unprecedented departure from one of, one of our most founding principles, thereby infringing on religious freedom and making it more difficult for any of us to live out our faith. The Equality Act denies any further conscientious objection based on religious, ethical, or moral grounds to any aspect of sexual orientation and gender identity ideologies. This is no small issue. But we're up against break, and so I'll see you in just a few minutes on the other side. So much more to come. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. And it's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses 
that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. Shoptotheright.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology, designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. It was a vision that gave birth to a unique multimedia platform that would combine classic talk radio, great writers, and memorable podcasts and videos. AmericaOutloud.com is a conservative leader in a field that is predominantly run by far-left progressive globalists. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back. Before the break, we were summarizing all the fun and anti-discriminatory goodwill Democrats and their Equality Act want to see become law. It's very Catholic, Jewish, Protestant, Islamic, and Hindu of them as they take care of their radical political supporters on the left. Now, I'm just joking. The Equality Act is a destructive figment of twisted imagination deception, and it is also a giant mistake so there's nothing very positive from my perspective about it. Even more importantly, we must call our senators about this Equality Act and let them know that they best not grace this convoluted act with a positive vote, or we won't be voting for them next election. And when we say it, we have to mean it. They have to know that we will organize and that we really mean we will vote against them for supporting such a heinous bill. So let's let's return to our review, and some of these things do reserve repeating. The Equality Act requires biological girls and women to allow transgender girls and women to compete in female-only sports, which will no longer be female-only sports. In other words, biological males who claim to have transitioned into female gender identities, they have the right an Equality Act granted right to compete against and be among other biological girls and women 
in female-only activities. Now, several red states have passed laws already blocking transgender girls and young women from competing in girls' uh, public uh, school uh, competition. But if the Equality Act passes, federal law is going to supersede all of these state laws in this regard. In full disclosure, transgender girls and women's rights under the Equality Act extend to sororities, women's jails and prisons, female-only domestic violence shelters. This includes religious-sponsored and operated women's shelters and foster and adoption care agencies. Because of the Equality Act, there are no longer such events as Ladies' Night Out or Ladies Only. The Equality Act requires all employers, by the way, with more than 14 employees, even religious organizations, to cover abortion, as well as transgender procedures and medications in their health insurance plans. The Equality Act hinders quality health care by forcing health care professionals against their best medical judgment and against their best medical ethics to first do no harm. Medical professionals will be mandated to support and perform treatments, surgeries, and procedures associated with facilitating gender transition. Don't you think that first do no harm is an excellent slogan or dictum for all congressional legislation? After my second reading of the Equality Act, it seemed to me that its authors may have started with first do no harm, but but quickly they decayed into, we don't care who in these smug heterosexual religious right cares. The Equality Act forces religiously operated spaces and establishments such as church halls and other church-owned properties to either agree to host functions or rent their facilities to individuals that violate their beliefs or they must close their doors to their religious communities. The Equality Act will shut down religiously-based foster care and adoption agencies which have helped children in need for over a century without any discrimination, just for protecting the children's right to be in a home with a married biologically female mother and a biologically male father. In other words, the Equality Act will force faith-based operation agencies to violate their faith-based beliefs about the very nature of family. Many and most of the great religions of the world agree on the definition of family. Now, Democrats and their LGBTQ supporters are going to billions of faithful believers and telling them that their religious beliefs about family are bigoted and discriminatory in the extreme? We already have critical race theory advocates on the left telling us that a nuclear family of a biologically female mother, a biologically male father, and children raised in a cultural tradition according to their birth sex are part of white supremacy, and it smacks of racial intolerance, racist thought, and outright racism? All, all this reverse discrimination in the name of equality for a condition psychopathologically known as gender dysphoria and eventual transgender procedures? I, I don't get it. How is all of this in the name of equity for the special privilege of being part and party to the LGBTQ community? The Equality Act brings an end to dialogue on how to prohibit discrimination without increasing discrimination tenfold. 
It forces all of us to accept the tendentious claims of sex and gender ideology. I, I always thought your rights ended at the line where my rights are violated. Truth be told, these bold and arrogant Democrats and their progressive masters, they don't give a hoot about our rights, and the Equality Act proves it. I pray I have your attention. Today I have three missions, and I know I'm stating these missions a little late in this dialogue. The first is to thank you for your continued and growing support for this show. That Today the Frankly Daniel Show enters its 25th week, and its continued success depends upon you, my loyal listeners. I sincerely ask you to tell others not only about the Frankly Daniel Show, airing every week on, on the America Out Loud radio network, but, but also about the scores of other brilliant commentators and shows on this wellspring of, of knowledgeable conservative talk and thought. Remember, if you miss an episode of the Frankly Daniel Show, the show is posted as a podcast on the America Out Loud website under my name and the show's name every following Tuesday. From there, you can listen to it uh, directly or download it and listen to it later. My second of three missions today is to talk about the LGBTQ transgender activist and the Democrats' proposed Equality Act of 2021. I, I think we're pretty well into that at this point. It's not possible to overemphasize how utterly dangerous, destructive, discriminatory, and utterly coercive this ungodly Equality Act is to the civic and religious freedoms. If passed, it will enslave people who conscientiously object on ethical, moral, or faith-based grounds to accept the radical gender ideology of the progressive left and LGBTQ activists. But the damage this proposed law will inflict on Americans is far broader than just people of faith. There are promised punishments in this law for anyone who opposes the LGBTQ sexual orientation and gender identity ideology. From my perspective, the left is entitled to their gender ideology. J just don't try to punish me if I don't agree with it, or I choose not to accommodate your discriminatory practices or your ideas of what you believe should be legally allowed. By example, Ryan Anderson, a noted ethicist, writes, Transgender activists maintain that when a child identifies as the opposite sex in a manner that is consistent, persistent, and insistent, the appropriate response is to support that identification. Now, Dr. Anderson isn't saying he supports this response. He's only pointing out that this is the mantra of the left. The Equality Act takes us from what might or might not be appropriate, to what is required by law and punishable if not followed. If you don't respond appropriately, transgender activists can and likely will sue parents on the behalf of the child in question. Over the past four years, there have been numerous reported cases from across the nation and in Canada of judges upholding child abuse charges against parents who failed to immediately comply with gender-affirming procedures. And I'm not kidding. These criminally charged parents lose custody of their children because they were not in a gender-affirming support role for their child's decision, their child's decision, their child's decision to start puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones. So some of these children are as young as 13 years of age. 
the Equality Act will speed these cases along as a matter of law. What's at stake in the Equality Act are not only parents' rights, but the well-being of these children who suffer from gender dysphoria. Let, let, me, let me ask you, who in their right mind believes a preteen or an adolescent had the mental maturity to handle their presumed self-diagnosed gender dysphoria? If any of you have raised children to adulthood, and we've raised three, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Nevertheless, the Equality Act will put federal law squarely on the side of all underage children and adolescents, those all under 18 years of age and younger, who look to solve their distress, whatever its origin, by claiming they have gender dysphoria and are pushed on by peer influence to undergo gender transition. The Equality Act will empower these often confused and angry kids to go against their parents' wishes, their parents' concerns, and legal ability to stop them from proceeding to socially act out and to begin the gender transitioning process. Conversely, it will put concerned parents in a terrible disadvantage as they try to carefully negotiate between a distressed child, that child's peer reference group, and medical providers who are only too happy in many cases to be of gender-affirming service. Remember, the diagnosis of gender dysphoria is a self-diagnosed psychopathologic condition. It's a psychological feeling of painful distress that one's imagined authentic gender is out of sync with their biologic self. There's no blood test or genetic gene discovery that proves or disproves an individual's feeling about his or her imagined condition. Gender dysphoria and the urge to attempt chemically and surgically to change one's unchangeable biology is entirely a self-directed nightmare. Well, my third mission, as we're very late into this, but I'm going to tell you about my third mission here today, is to share with you other progressive left activities that clearly demonstrate that we cannot trust either the Democrats or the President to champion our best interest in any aspect of health, national or local security, racial harmony, or financial well-being. Why should we trust Democrats, the hyperactive sex and gender-focused LGBTQ community, or the President to propose a truly fair Equality Act? I promise you'll see that the Equality Act is no different than other radical, progressive, left, coercive policies and propaganda. This certainly includes things like the vaccine and mask mandates, open borders, critical race theory, defunding the police, and woke public school boards who mandate pro-transgender policies. All these progressive initiatives, if you, if you will, are enforced by intimidation, coercion, threats, shaming, and cancel culture. And you've seen all of these at work. What most parents familiar with what their school boards are up to are concerned about is the current near-future LGBTQ changes to school curricula that will normalize LGBTQ sexual orientation and gender identity, as well, and importantly, family structure. Parents rightly view it's their prerogative to opt their children out of woke schools' new approaches to sex education that include explicit instruction about the gender identity and lessons attempting to normalize various sexual orientations and gender identities. The LGBTQ community already believes that the LGBTQ students 
have been denied equal access to educational opportunities in schools in every part of the nation. They explicitly draw a comparison to the Civil Rights Act protections for characteristics like race, color, and national origin. Furthermore, they believe that the 1964 Civil Rights Law, coupled with the passage of the Equality Act, will force federal courts to mandate sexual orientation and gender identity curricula to be included in every school's lesson plans, just like the mandate to include black history curricula. Moreover, like in black history, they want history classes to include information about the historical contributions of gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender adults to America. In short, it's the prerogative of parents, not the state, to determine what children are taught about fundamental moral, religious, and ethical issues. But anyone who's been watching the public school board wars in Virginia knows that all this is changing. There are heated arguments in open school board meetings about classic novels and class reading materials having been exchanged for near-pornographic teen novels and even reading materials for kindergartners and first graders that have examples of how Jane went into a dressing room to try on a dress and came out shirtless as Jimmy with overhauls and boys' boots on. My advice, don't go looking for this stuff. It'll trigger your gag reflex. If the Equality Act is passed into law, sexual orientation and gender identity will have to be included in all sex ed curricula as a matter of federal law. Not to include it would be discrimination against LGBTQ students, according to the Equality Act. And you can take this to the bank or to your next church social. If the Equality Act passes, schools will be forced to propagate the view of that traditional beliefs regarding marriage between a biologic man and a biological woman and traditional views about sexuality and gender are bigoted and discriminatory and no amount of objections from us, from other parents, or anybody else will matter. Allow me to share one small example from this week's Virginia gubernatorial debate between Democrat Terry McAuliffe and Republican Glenn Youngkin. If you're not aware, Northern Virginia, particularly Loudoun and Fairfax counties, are ground zero for the heated fight between parents and woke public school boards. Issues include the extremely contentious outrage over teaching critical race theory to children as young as kindergartners, mandating masks for young students, replacement of classic literature with quasi-pornographic novels that promote LGBTQ community sexual and gender ideology, and, of course, pro-transgender student policies ensuring special rights and privileges. Now, this opening clip is a journalist asking a question about the state versus local control over setting transgender school policy. Mr. McAuliffe, your campaign website promises you will implement the Virginia Department of Education's new model policy to project protect transgender students. Now, that's a policy that allows students to use the restroom and locker room that matches their gender identity and requires school employees to address students by their chosen pronoun. But in the last debate, you said it should be up to local school districts to be able to create their own policies. So which should it be, statewide protection or local choice? Before we get to the candidate's response, let me share with you that the state of Virginia has passed a law committing schools to set a local transgender policy. Uh, during the 2020 session, the Virginia 
General Assembly passed a law that created a new statewide set of guidelines, or what they call a model policy, of rights for transgender students. School districts were supposed to adopt this new model policy by the start of this school year, but to my knowledge, six counties are still resisting implementing this law. Of course, there are a stack of pending lawsuits set to challenge the constitutionality of the law. This model policy includes all the mandates we've already covered. In addition to this, parents haven't given in at the local level in trying to block the state and school board's intrusion into their parental authority to teach their children about sexuality and family life according to their beliefs and not those of the state or the school board members. So here's Terry McAuliffe's answer to his flip-flop on the issues of state versus local control on gender ideology. I like locals having input, obviously, on such an important issue, but the state will always issue guidance, as we do from the Department of Education. But I've said this before. These children are going through very stressful situations. Why people continually want to demonize children, I just don't understand. I want every child in Virginia to get a quality education. Of course, like a politician, McAuliffe doesn't address the disparity between his former position on local control and his current support for top-down state mandates. This is all within just two weeks. The truth is, is the point is moot since the state has a transgender school law. Furthermore, uh, local parents don't hate these teens who are cross-dressed, parading around with multicolored hair, and adorned with multiple body piercing and tattoos, visually screaming, look at me, I am different. Parents know kids do all sorts of counterculture things. Why should kids professing to be transgender be any different? Parents also know that many of these possible transgender teens are troubled youth with a boatload of psychological and family issues. In truth, since many believe that the transgender craze in schools is highly contagious, they just don't want their children to be caught up in it. Moreover, parents are fearful as to where this policy direction is going, and they're taking a stand now against what surely will come in the next wave of LGBTQ sex and gender ideology. As a federal law, the Equality Act will supersede any state law written about sexual orientation and gender identity curricula. Here's uh, Glenn Youngkin's answer or response to Terry McAuliffe. Now, with regard to our kids in schools, we are called to love everyone, to love everyone. And I agree with your conclusion, Terry, that we should let local school districts actually make these decisions. But we must ask them to include concepts of safety and privacy and respect in the discussion. And we must demand that they include parents in this dialogue. What we've seen over the course of the last 20 months is our school systems refusing to engage with parents. In fact, in Fairfax County this past week, we watched parents so upset because there was such explicit, sexually explicit material in the library they had never seen. It was shocking. And in fact, you vetoed the bill that would have informed parents that they were there. You believe school systems should tell children what to do. I believe parents should be in charge of their okay. kids' education. Well, here's a completely different viewpoint, isn't it? It happens to be the position of thousands upon thousands of parents in Loudoun and Fairfax counties in Northern Virginia. And I know that because I've been following what's been going on there for the last six months. Both of these counties are jam-packed with lifelong Democrats who are federal government workers. 
and they're up in arms against having the state and federal government usurp their parental right to control their children's education. One final clip in this segment, Terry McAuliffe's response is highly instructive as to what the left truly believes. So first of all, this shows how clueless Glenn Youngkin is. He doesn't understand what the laws were because he's never been involved here in helping Virginia. But it was not. The parents had to write to veto bills, veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it. Also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decisions. So... Yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. You know, I get really tired of everybody running down teachers. I love our teachers. Let's hear it again. Just play it again for me. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. The left clearly does not think parents should be telling schools what to teach. First, McAuliffe vetoed the General Assembly law that would have allowed parents a say in their children's reading material for literature classes, as well as parents' input about library books. McAuliffe's position is that the teachers' union is king and queen in Virginia. You should know that the two largest teachers' unions in the nation have contributed more than $2 million to McAuliffe's campaign, And it was the teachers' union during McAuliffe's first term as governor that pressured him to veto the school book bill. And this clip of him saying parents have no rights as to what their children are taught made national news. Just a perfect example of Democrat arrogance and special interest. By the way, McAuliffe supports the passage of the Equality Act, and he's richly supported by the LGBTQ activist community. I'm going to try to pack one more example of the left using God's power of coercion. Listen to this clip of New York Kathy Hochul, another dyed-in-the-wool radical liberal who ascended to the governorship earlier this month after Andrew Cuomo was unceremoniously driven from his governorship. We are not through this pandemic. I wished we were, but I prayed a lot to God during this time. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers. He made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. And we must say, thank you, God. Thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Uh, In response, note that while Governor Hochul was praising God for making scientists who created the vaccine, she failed to give God credit for creating Donald Trump. And not only for creating Donald Trump, but for making him the president. For surely his election was a miracle, especially when you consider registered Democrats outnumber Republicans by a wide margin. For without Trump pushing this warp speed initiative, we may still be working on the first vaccine, much less have three approved vaccines. Second, notice how this governor, like all attacking Democrats, tries to split Americans against each other over vaccination. The smart ones are those who've been vaccinated. She lifts those up who are smart enough to have received the holy gift of vaccination. All others, those non-believers who aren't listening to God, are the condemned. They're the lost souls. So says God, according to this caring, responsible, chosen acolyte. 
I want to assure you that I put a call into God's Chief of Staff, St. Peter, and I'm waiting for return vision as to whether God has mandated vaccinations for all of his children. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm pro-vaccine, but I'm also a constitutionalist. You can be both without contradiction. I certainly hope St. Peter gets back to me as soon as possible because I have a show next weekend and I have so many questions I'd like answers on. Third, I speak for myself when I say I'm no human's apostle. Not only is it not in the Holy Bible, but it isn't in our Constitution that it's my obligation to be an apostle for Governor Hoschel. I don't believe God has called on me to out those who will not bow to federal, state, and employer vaccine mandates. Hear me now and believe me later. If we give in to Governor Hoschel's blasphemy, it won't be long before Democrats like her are telling us God wants us to turn our personal protection over to the federal government. Yes, I'm talking about guns. I believe God meant for us to protect ourselves from evil people. Therefore, he gave us an unalienable right of self-defense. We're no longer in the age of bows, arrows, and spears. Thus, firearms are the tools of ultimate self-defense in today's America. Well, the show has come to an end. Boy, it has been a fast 53 minutes. I can't thank you enough for your patience with me again today. Let's do talk therapy again next week, but please call your senators. Please call them and let them know your position on the Equality Act. Now you all come back next weekend. I'll be here. Until then, cheers and blessings. Mm-hmm.